know in our heart of hearts that there will never, ever be drilling in the Badger 2 medicine. I've made that statement before. I stand by it. This is Season 2, Episode 1 of MCV Cast. That was Harry Barnes, the immediate past chairman of the Blackfeet Tribal Business Council. We'll hear from him in a few minutes. I'm Aaron Murphy, Executive Director of Montana Conservation Voters, and I'm here with Deputy Director Whitney Tani and Political Director Jake Brown. We begin Season 2 with music from Helena guitarist Bill Lombardi. This is his original piece, Hope Creek. A reminder that our entire first season of MCV Cast is available on our new website, mtvoters.org slash podcast. And we've got a lot of news to cover today from the past couple weeks, including historic public lands legislation that just passed the U.S. Senate. Yes, Murph, this is a whopper of public lands goodness and is the definition of landmark legislation. The Great American Outdoors Act, led by Montana Senators Tester and Danes, passed the Senate 73 to 25. The bill includes funding for a national parks maintenance backlog at the tune of $9.5 billion over five years and full and permanent funding for our public lands through the Land and Water Conservation Fund and $900 million a year in perpetuity. This is a huge and historic win for Montana and for all of America. So naturally, everyone is trying to take credit. Well, today we just passed the most important conservation bill for Montana and the nation in decades one that will increase public access to our public lands and support our national parks and importantly, protect our Montana outdoor way of life. We're pleased Senator Daines finally listened to Montanans and hope this is a real trend and not just a one-off in an election year. We all know Senator Daines has a long ways to go when it comes to being a public lands champion. I mean, the guy has tried to defund LWCF multiple times. In fact, the most recent was in March of this year led controversial legislation to give away our public lands, and continues to support William Perry Penley, a known public lands foe, as the head of BLM. More on that later. So yeah, I'm not holding my breath that Senator Daines will be a public lands champion anytime soon, but you better believe MCB will be first in line to celebrate it if that day ever comes. But what's next for the Great American Outdoors Act? The legislation is headed to the House and expected to hit the floor in late July. So stay tuned because you know we'll cover it. Jake, let's stay on Capitol Hill for a moment because this week another important Montana bill got some time in the spotlight. The Montana Water Rights Protection Act came before the Senate Committee on Indian Affairs. Jake Brown, what does this legislation do for our state? This federal legislation is the continuation of the CSKT Water Compact that passed the Montana legislature in 2015. Uh, What the bill does is twofold. It resolves the tribe's claim to its reserve water rights within the state, and it also returns the National Bison Range to the tribe's management. Uh, This legislation was actually the product of decades-long negotiations, and it passed the Montana legislature with bipartisan support. So it's high time that we actually get it done in D.C. as well. Uh, This bill is one of the first steps towards correcting the decades of injustice the tribes have experienced, and and we're proud to support it. In fact, we sent a letter of support to the Indian Affairs Committee, which heard the legislation on Wednesday. In conclusion, S-3019 and the underlying compact are the product of a great deal of effort by many parties and reflected desire by the people of Montana Indian and non-Indian to settle their differences through negotiation rather than litigation. 
This administration shares that goal and is committed to finalizing the settlement after many years of hard work between the tribe, state, and Montana congressional delegation. Montana conservation voters also made a request of our congressional delegation in response to the unsettling news from Washington about acting BLM director William Perry Penley. Penley, a controversial character responsible for more than a quarter billion acres of our public lands, will stay in his position as acting director, apparently indefinitely. And that's troubling, given his record of wanting to sell off and develop our public lands. So MCV asked Congressman Greg Gianforte, as well as Senators Danes and Tester, to demand a confirmation vote in Congress, something the Constitution requires. No surprise we didn't hear back from Senator Danes or Congressman Gianforte, but the day after we made our request, Senator Tester weighed in with this. I'm calling on the Department of Interior to remove acting Director Pendley from his position. His indefinite installment to this post undermines accountability in government, and the American people rightly deserve more. His public support for selling off our public lands makes him the wrong person to oversee those national treasures. And Senator Tester backed that up even further with a letter to the Interior Department. In his letter to Interior Secretary David Bernhardt, Senator Tester writes, Your decision to install William Perry Penley as acting director in perpetuity clearly circumvents congressional oversight and an abuse of power that is not backed up by common sense. Thanks, Whitney. By the way, you can check out both of our letters to the Senate Indian Affairs Committee and to Montana's congressional delegation, as well as Senator Tester's letter in our show notes. Here at home, the new approach Montana campaign has spent the last few weeks collecting as many signatures as possible to put a pair of initiatives on the November 3rd ballot. And last week, they hit their mark. New Approach Montana delivered 52,000 signatures, more than twice what they needed, to put an initiative on the ballot to legalize and tax the adult use of recreational cannabis. And they delivered more than 80,000 signatures to change two words in the Montana Constitution. That's about 30,000 signatures more than they needed from all 100 House districts across the state. Here's campaign spokesperson Pepper Peterson with an update. We're really excited about going into the next stage, which is to go and visit uh, community leaders and um, go and tell folks about this legislation and what the impact's going to be, the positive impacts on our community in Montana. Again, MCV is behind this effort because about half of the tax revenue from legalized adult use of cannabis is supposed to go to fund state public lands to the tune of millions of dollars per year. Pepper Peterson and the New Approach Montana campaign says they're headed toward Election Day with momentum. You know, the first day we went out gathering signatures, there were lines sometimes um, because people were really excited about this. And I think the Montanans have seen a lot of back and forth on this cannabis policy before, and we already see a steady hand. Um, and so folks are really excited about this. We've seen the successes in other states as well. Um, and, you know, you look at those and you look at the budget impacts that uh, – Adult use cannabis is brought, and it's a lot of positive budget impacts for states, especially as we look at the coronavirus, you know, and the potential negative impacts that's going to have on the economy moving forward. The Blackfeet tribe and conservation groups won a temporary victory last week when an appellate court overturned a decision to allow oil drilling in the Badger 2 Medicine area. Justice Patricia Millett said that the district court was incorrect in siding with the oil companies for failing to comply with the Historic Preservation Act and sent the case back to the lower district courts. The continued legal battle over this culturally significant wild place really just reaffirms the need to permanently protect the Badger 2 medicine, something that would require an act of Congress. 
On June 17th, the day after the court made this ruling, I called up Harry Barnes at his home in Browning, Montana. Mr. Barnes is the immediate past chairman of the Blackfeet Tribal Business Council, someone who has spent decades fighting to keep drilling out of the Badger II Medicine region, a place that has been sacred to the Blackfeet tribe for thousands of years. Chairman Harry Barnes is our guest this week. How are you, Mr. Chairman? I'm doing very good, thank you. Appreciate it. Well, congratulations on the uh, the news from June 16th about the court basically sending back this issue uh, to a lower court. But what that effectively does is stop Solonex from pursuing its operations in the Badger 2 medicine. Just wanted to start today by asking your immediate reaction to it. Well, I was very excited, as, as many other are uh, here in the Browning area. I, I see a lot of... Uh, uh, comments on uh, social media, uh, so very well received up here. Uh, you know, there's a lot of people involved in it, but I think um, our tribal historic preservation officer John Murray has always been key to leading that battle. So yeah, we're all pretty excited up here, as is John. Now, Mr. Chairman, this doesn't necessarily end this chapter for good. It, it basically puts it, the decision back. So can I ask you, in your view, what needs to happen next? Well, I think the courts need to find it, finally put a wood stake through this thing uh, and end it. We are, we are confident they're going to, at some point, the wheels of justice roll very slowly, especially when it involves Indians. Uh, so we'll have to wait and see, but we know in our heart of hearts that there will never, ever be drilling in the Badger II medicine. I've made that statement before. I stand by it. Uh, I know our people and I know our uh, willingness to fight a good fight. We will continue, obviously, monitoring it closely getting ourselves stirred up when we need to. Uh, you know, we have a lot of allies in this fight. And so uh, we're, we're going to continue on. As I said, you know, I can't really see uh, Sidney Longwell uh, pushing this thing along. I don't think he's going to get a different ruling uh, down the road. So we'll have to keep an eye on it. He's the gentleman pursuing on behalf of Solonex, correct? He's the yes. He's the he and his family are the owners of of Solonex. Now he's getting up there in age, and so I'm not sure uh, if he's going to be able to. But certainly his family uh, has pushed this as much, if not more, than he has. So uh, we'll see whether they're willing to spend more money in a helpless situation they're unlikely to win. And to be clear, you the, the tribal council anyway has offered Solonex to drill on the Blackfeet Nation's land. Is that correct? At one point in an effort to resolve this issue before it went any farther uh, in court, we made a, what we thought was a very generous offer to give him other uh, drill sites on the Blackfeet Reservation, on the eastern edge of the Blackfeet Reservation, 
There's been a lot of oil activity over the years. Uh, we offered that. Uh, he refused it, and so it's no longer on the table. I'm not in the role of leadership, but I'm pretty certain we're not going to put that branch out there again. You were chairman of the Business Council back in 2016 when Secretary Sally Jewell initially canceled this lease. What was your message to her and what did she tell you? Why do you think she did it based on what members of the Blackfeet Nation told her? Well, we reminded her that we have been fighting this fight for quite some time. Uh, Many years we, uh, before her, and through many administrations, we've been fighting this. We would like to see it come to an end. We ask her assistance in bringing that cancellation forward. Now, I would have liked to say that that was the stake in the uh, proverbial vampire, but it wasn't. We ended up having to go to uh, another Secretary of the Interior, Ryan Zinke, and asked his help in getting this thing canceled. because her cancellation was appealed, or we were sued, then she was sued uh, after her declaration. The thing lingered on and lingered on. And when Ryan Sinke became Secretary of the Interior, we had to work with him to get this thing in the courts. Uh, we were fearful that he would just brush it off and say he's got more important things and Interior couldn't win it anyway. So we fully expected it to be uh, lost in the change uh, to a new administration. But he actually came through for us and and did file an appeal in the courts. And that's what they ruled on yesterday was an appeal that he filed. Now, he has since had some other problems and issues, but I personally met with him on the issue. I met with him a couple of other times, and he's very much aware of who the Blackfeet are. As a matter of fact, he would look at the map on his office uh, wall and say, uh, the Blackfeet have already given up the maps. And so um, it was put to uh, the appeal by the department. So his successor, David Bernhardt, how receptive has he been, as far as you know, uh, when he took over, a lot of things changed, and clearly we're watching Secretary Bernhardt's work from here at MCV, but has the tribe been consulted with sufficiently in your mind, or, or does he have a ways to go? Well, we have been um, consulted in the traditional way, meaning we haven't heard shit, excuse the language. And nor is there a high expectation. It's uh, sad that Department of Interior controls so much of the lives of Indian country and we get uh, so little respect or recognition of our rights, of our sovereignty, of our need for assistance with the other branches of government. What is your message to 
the folks who hold those positions of power then? Because, of course, long way to go, as you say, in terms of living up to treaty obligations, et cetera. What is your message in general to the the Trump administration as the members of the tribe continue to, to fight this? Well, it's hard to say anything when it falls on deaf ears, but my message is that we are still here. We've been through a lot of administrations since our first treaty, and we have, are still here and we've survived. After the Trump administration, we're still going to be here. And so all of the administrations, more so the Trump administration, need to hear the cries of indigenous people throughout the country uh, who have suffered long and hard under administrations that were indifferent to our needs and our issues. So, Is there anything, Mr. Chairman, that folks listening to this can do if they're not a member of the tribe? What can we do to stand with you in solidarity to move the needle, so to speak? Well, when our, when our issues are uh, so closely before the courts or the Congress, you know, we need other voices echoing ours, uh, not uh, parroting, but echoing the mess, the underlying message that we should give our, be given our day in court and allow justice to prevail and not block even access to a fair trial or a fair hearing. Mr. Chairman, would you please describe the Badger 2 Medicine region to folks who may not be familiar? What does it look like? And more importantly, why does it resonate as a sacred place, just for folks who may not be familiar with it? Well, the area is uh, south of, of Glacier National Park, and now part of the uh, National Forest. For years and years, it was part of the Blackfeet homeland. And it was a, a spot of high value for visiting with the mind of trying to get visions of spiritual needs after the BIA first took over and when we were forbidden from practicing our ways, we then often retreated to the mountainous area that uh, Badger Two Medicine is and celebrated our, our spirituality. And so even today, young people and older people uh, still travel to the Badger Two Medicine area to connect with Mother Earth and try to be visited by the spirits of the past. So it's a very special and unique area. What would you like the folks listening now to, if there's one thing for them to remember about this and about the hard work for the last, what has it been, 38 years that you've been fighting this? Yes. We have been fighting it. We have a lot of partners, other conservation groups, uh, Greater Two Medicine Alliance, and uh, so many others that we are deeply indebted to them for their sharing of the yoke. And we will never forget their efforts. And We'll never stop calling upon them uh, to step up with us 
as we've depended on them in the past, we will depend on them in the future. Harry Barnes is the immediate past chairman of the Blackfeet Tribal Business Council. Mr. Chairman, we appreciate your time with us today. Thank you very much for your efforts. We recorded that conversation with Chairman Harry Barnes on June 17th, and a reminder that the views of our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of Montana Conservation Voters, its staff, or its board of directors. That said, MCV has been working with the Blackfeet Nation for years in protecting the Badger 2 Medicine area, and we proudly echo the tribe's call for keeping that special part of the world sacred and untouched. Next week on MCV Cast, we'll hear from Lieutenant Governor Mike Cooney, MCV's endorsed candidate for governor. Stay tuned for episode two of season two, a bit earlier than normal in anticipation of Independence Day. And until then, stay in touch with MCV through our social media channels and our new website, which is mtvoters.org. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter at mtvoters. And we're also on YouTube. Our YouTube channel is where we'll end today's episode. We recently posted a video featuring former Montana Governor Brian Schweitzer about how important it is for young people to vote. The full video is in our show notes. Please give it a watch and a like, and better yet, share it. For Whitney Tani in Bozeman and Jake Brown in Helena, I'm Aaron Murphy in Billings. Thanks to Bill Lombardi for the original music in today's episode, and we will be back next week. You know how it sucks when you've got a great idea and uh, your parents or your uncle or your older brother or sister just look at you like you're kind of a dumbass? Well, (laughs) if you don't vote... And if politicians know you're not going to vote, they're not going to listen to you. You don't have an idea that matters because they know the demographics. They know if you're 20 years old, you're eligible to vote and probably got about a 30% chance of voting. And they also know that somebody that's 55 years old is going to vote. And so if you know that people that are 55 years old are three times as likely to vote as somebody who's 20 years old, then that means the politicians listen to people who are 55. And if you're 20 years old, you're probably not going to have a voice that really matters. Unfortunately, that's the way politics work. If young people would vote in this country, if young people got involved, then we'd have people who were saying, we need to protect our air and water for the next 200 years, not for the next 20. We need to protect public lands so that, that we continue to access them for the rest of our lives.